Look alive, sport talkers. Welcome to Sport Talks Office Hours. Here we focus on specific topics or profiles of sport professionals and professors. You can find deep dives on important issues and detailed analysis of sport media, digital marketing, broadcast, game operations, sport business, social media, and more. Today we welcome Tara Sloan to the show. I was lucky to first meet Tara at a She's for Sports event last year, and she has been an active mentor ever since. She has achieved so much in her career in entertainment already, from starting in music to television and now sports broadcasting. Tara co-hosts Roger's Hometown Hockey with Ron McLean and is the host of Sportsnet's new interview series, Top of Her Game, a show that focuses on celebrating female leaders in the industry. Welcome to the show. I would love for you to describe your educational background, why and when you decided to get into sports, and your, your career. Oh boy. Well, uh, my educational background is not in sports, uh, not in broadcasting altogether. I actually, I've sort of had two major components to my career. So my, the first part of my career was in music and then I moved into broadcasting. So uh, I actually started my university degree at Dalhousie University in Halifax in classical music opera to be specific. Um, that didn't last very long because I, I was 18 years old and really didn't have the discipline to <laughs> <laughs> that it required to really be elite. Uh, I just couldn't couldn't see myself doing the three hours of practice every day. So I kind of bombed on that one, and then I, I ended up going to theater school at Concordia University in Montreal. So I was in the arts world um, for the first part of my career, as I mentioned. I ended up with a rock band called Joy Drop in the late 1990s and signed a record deal with them, put out two albums, had some pretty big songs, had a Juno nomination. Um, I was also on a show called Rockstar in Excess in 2005, which was a Mark Burnett reality show based in LA. Um, and then, you know, the music business for anybody who's been part of it knows that it's, it's a grind. And there's a lot of self-promotion and I felt like I was spending too much time on the business and not enough time on the music. And I just, I, it wasn't fun for me anymore. So uh, fortunately during that time, TV sort of started to cross over into my life. And so in 2007, I made a conscious leap into the world of television. I got a job at a small station in Toronto um, with basically little experience and was lucky enough to learn on the job. I, I learned how to produce. I learned how to write. I learned how to do paper edits. I learned how to read teleprompter. I learned how to host. I learned kind of everything, um, which I think I was very fortunate because I'm not sure that that's an experience that many people have anymore. And then I just, you know, I kind of took it from there. I, I hosted breakfast television in Calgary for five years and once I got into TV, I did start to steer myself towards sports specifically. Um, hockey in particular was always a great love of mine. And so I just, I, I lucked out when home, Rogers Hometown Hockey um, was announced. I wrote a very impassioned letter to the president of Sportsnet at the time. I had been doing some work for Sportsnet in Calgary. And so I had a relationship with them. And I wrote the letter, I convinced them that I would be a good fit and kind of weaseled my way into the opportunity. And so now we've, I guess we almost finished our sixth season. We were cut short like everybody else, but 
Um, six seasons into Rogers Hometown Hockey, I have a show called Top of Her Game uh, on Sportsnet. So that's me, I guess, in a nutshell. That's fantastic. And I love the, the versatile experience that you have with different industries that you've kind of led into and then how it all kind of comes together. And especially, um, like you said, an experience where you got it, got to dabble in a bunch of different tasks, which not necessarily mm-hmm. everyone's able to do that nowadays. So what is it like using your voice as a broadcaster on a national network and more specifically as a female broadcaster? Hmm. Um, you know, I've always been fairly outspoken. I think, you know, I have a lot of recollections as a kid. I, I felt like if I could be uh, of help, if I could amplify, um, if I could speak for those whose voices weren't as loud as mine, I always wanted to. And so that's just always been in me. Um, and for some reason, I've chosen some pretty male-dominated businesses. So the, mu- the music business, and in particular being in a rock band, um, you know, I found myself outnumbered a lot. And it, it was hard, but, you know, having to stand up for myself and, again, use, use my voice to talk about discrimination. And so here I am again in the world of sports and the world of hockey. Um, you know, I think that... I mean, it's so complex. We're nowhere near where we need to be. I mean, that's just the truth. Um, and there are some glaring double standards that I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take for them to, to go away. I do think that there is a growing army of people who with a, a tremendous understanding and tremendous motivation to shift the culture of sports, both um, gender wise, obviously, you know, social justice wise, racially. Um, so, but we still, there's a big hill to climb. And I feel like at, at my age with a, you know, I mean, I I don't think any of us have job security at this point. And I mean, I work on a hockey show, so I don't even, I honestly, I can tell you, I don't know whether there's going to be another season of Rogers hometown hockey, but I am lucky enough to be at a point in my career where I feel like it's a, it's, I'm privileged, you know, I'm a, I'm a white woman in a position of power and in, I could not in good conscience, not, not use my voice. Well, I know that I appreciate that as a young person getting into the business and I am so inspired by you by that because you have always been someone who I look up to when it comes to being a woman in sport and how typically we are we tend to be more silent because we don't want to lose the 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 spot that we've climbed to Mm -hmm. whereas I I don't want to be that person I want to be someone that if I see a wrong I want to speak out about it and uh, you inspire me to do that and I'm sure you inspire a bunch of other uh, young females in the business what has it been like working from home in a fan or in fan free spaces since the pandemic <laughs> has started? You were hosting virtual concerts at Budweiser Stage and even your meditation episodes on your IGTV all the way to your to Sportsnet's top of her game. What's that been like? Well, I think it's, you know, it's had an emotional impact on so many of us and Obviously, not finishing the Rogers hometown hockey season was a real disappointment because we had a few communities left that we really wanted to to get to, and and that, that's sad. And and the prospect of not being able to 
do that show again, or at least not to do that show as it was. Um, because really that whole, I mean, that the whole concept is about being dropped into these communities with people. Um, and the, the live broadcast is such a huge component of it. So, you know, when you contemplate that, it's all very heartbreaking. Um, uh, many of us have turned to social media, I think in droves, like, I, I don't know what the numbers are for increase in, in Twitter usage and Instagram, but, uh, you know, I think many of us have managed to stay connected in, in various ways, but nothing will ever take the place of, of human contact. And I've done a couple of interviews for top of her game in person. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, even, for, even from six feet away, just being able to look into somebody's actual eye, yeah. <laughs> not their two-dimensional <laughs> eye. Um, it's a real relief. So I think I've been very fortunate this summer where I've been presented with some unique opportunities. Budweiser stage was really a nice way for me to dip into the music world yet again. Uh, and top of her game, you know, I've sort of said this before, but it kind of took a pandemic to create the space for a, a woman focused broadcast yeah. on, on our network. Um, but these opportunities really wouldn't have arisen without the, the world <laughs> collapsing as we've known <laughs> it. So um, within it, I felt very, very lucky. But yeah, I, gosh, I just, I mean, we all miss people. I think it's, it's, a, it's a heavy thought, you know, to, to contemplate a world without that. Yes, and I'm, it's unfortunate with the pandemic, but we have seen a lot of good things come out of it and people taking advantage, I think, of, of the time that we have with the pandemic. Now, when you were at Budweiser stage, you were by, pretty much by yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was yeah. that like? Yeah, so the irony, it was myself and a very small socially distanced crew. So I'm at Budweiser stage hosting the show, uh, conducting the interviews. And these are all artists that would have played the venue this summer, but right. obviously were not able to. And so they were aware of our various studios or homes across North America. It was, I mean, it was nice to be there, but there were a lot of beautiful evenings where it was, you know, 30 degrees by the water and you just long for the days of, of live shows. And I've seen so many great concerts there. So it, it was bittersweet at times, but it was really fun to be able to connect with musicians, many of whom I have known for for many years as well so it was fun oh, it was a fantastic. lot of fun yeah cool. so in terms of preparing for your shows how differently do you prepare now than when you were working pre-pandemic do you find that there are new strategies or new routines that you've put in place to prepare for shows um i would new i probably prepare much the same i mean thank god for the internet um yeah. sometimes it's a you know i've had some uh, guests that I, I knew previously, like Angela James, I, I know her, right. but still got to do your research. So, you know, I spend a lot of time, a lot of time reading, a lot of time listening, um, watching videos, listening to podcasts, etc. I think the hardest thing for me working from home, and I, maybe you've felt this too, is that just time has a different feel right now. So mm -hmm. I have had a hard time kind of managing my, my time. I, I, you know, hometown hockey, I got into a routine and I would, um, I used my travel as a workspace. So I'd work on planes a lot. And then I had the silence and stillness of a hotel room. And so I kind of had like those spaces at home. There's 
it's home. There's a lot going on. I have an 11 year old daughter and you know, when she was still doing homeschooling, trying to manage that. So I think we're all kind of trying to, you know, fill in the work when we can, but conversely, I think, you know, this has been a very flexible um, job and a flexible opportunity and, and Sportsnet has been incredible in terms of the way that they've treated their employees. Uh, And I'm not being paid to say this. I really feel quite grateful, you know, just understanding that, that people have to balance their, their work and their lives in a different way. Well, that's great. And especially seeing a, we, I think we should, we want to see broadcasts and different companies like that who are primarily on the digital front to be able to kind of flip the switch and help, you know, rework the new routine in this very virtual world right now. So that, that's Mm -hmm. great to hear. So you discussed and you brought up uh, top of her game. So how has that been so far? You've interviewed a roster of really incredible women and young girls, which was Mm -hmm. awesome to see pursuing their careers in sports. So how did this show come to be and what's been the best part of it so far? Well, it really was a result of the pause and the recognition that um, there just wasn't a lot of space being carved out for women's sports and women in sports. Uh, I think many of us feel that there was a lot of momentum in women's sports before everything came to a a screeching halt. And so we didn't want to see that go. And in fact, this could create a new opportunity to, to talk about this. Um, You know, I've always taken the platform of Rogers hometown hockey and, and tried to put as much attention on, on women and girls Um, but I, obviously with that gone, I didn't have that opportunity. So this was really a lot of people. It wasn't just me, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, uh, our executive producer of Rogers hometown hockey, her her name is Allison Redmond. She was instrumental in creating this, um, Deidre Dion, just a a whole bunch of people with a vested interest in, in furthering women's sports. So there was no pushback. It was really like, okay, we have to do something. What are we going to do? Okay, let's create this sort of flagship entity. Hopefully it will expand and, and broaden into some more. Um, and so we got the, the green light. And, you know, what's, what's really nice is I think we all thought that this was going to be a, an internet only venture, and which is fine. I do think most of our viewership would come right. online anyway. But what's nice is that we actually are on on over the top television. We're on TV on Sunday mornings. And so that gives us a lot of um, promotional opportunities. So, you know, if you're watching the, the playoffs on Sportsnet, you'll see the, pro- the promos for our show, which is really cool. Yeah. So the, the reaction has been really great. And I think there are a lot of people who are really grateful. I get a lot of notes from, from parents and fathers, actually, a lot of dads saying like, thank you for this. I have daughters and we watch the show with them. And this is just so important. So I know that we're doing good work and um, we're just going to do it until they tell us to stop, <laughs> which hopefully it is never. Yeah. And then if they do, then it's, it's the fight to no, let's keep this show going on. Cause I definitely would be part of that. That venture would be saying, no, this, this is, I think it's in a really important show that you guys have on there right now. And it's a perfect time um, with there being kind of this stoppage in sport. So I think people are looking for a new focus and this is something that we, we definitely need in, in hockey and just in sport in general. Yeah. Um, 
so what's something uh, that has stopped you in your tracks from one of your guests on top of her game? Um, so something that has opened your eyes. Hmm. Well, I mean, gosh, lots of, I mean, lots of people's experiences are, you know, as women um, have been kind of jaw dropping. Um, I mean, we, this, um, I guess, I don't know when this is airing. So we have an episode with Sarah Spain, who's a very outspoken broadcaster in the United States. And she and I had a, a conversation about advice that we give to young women looking to break into the world of sports broadcasting. And, you know, both of us are so disappointed to have to give some of the advice that, that we give. And right. if you watch the broadcast, you'll see, but, you know, to have to say to somebody, well, you have to watch what you wear because you will be judged very differently than your male colleagues. And, you know, don't be too flirty because again, <laughs> people don't give you the benefit of the doubt. So that was kind of, that was an eye-opening conversation. Um, you know, as both of us said, it was cringy advice and, and we hate it. Um, I spoke to two of the gymnasts who were instrumental in putting away Larry Nasser, um, mm -hmm. who was the the predator, uh, the doctor who worked for USA Gymnastics. So I, I spoke to Maggie Nichols, who many people now know as Athlete A um, in on the Netflix documentary, and then Rachel Denhollander, who was the first person to publicly come out against Larry Nasser. Oh. So both of those conversations, as you can imagine, are, are quite jaw-dropping. One theme that I ha that has emerged for different reasons um, with Blake Bolden, who is a hockey player, Angela James, who is a Hockey Hall of Famer, and Maggie Nichols is all three of them were denied the opportunity to uh, go to the Olympics to represent their countries. And, um, you know, it's hard to prove, but it, it would be fairly safe to say that all three of them were potentially sort of punished right. in different ways. I mean, you, it's neither... Blake nor Angela wanted to say out loud that they felt like it was racially motivated, but right. could have been. And Maggie Nichols no doubt deserved to represent the U.S. at the Olympics. So that to me was like so heartbreaking when somebody's dream is just ripped from them. But anyway, I could go on. There's, there's, <laughs> I, I think there's lots of, lots of great stuff, but you know, and women trying to, to break into men's sports, it's like that has its own set of challenges and these are, are great role models. Well, I can't wait to see what's, uh, what's coming and what has happened. What, what you've produced so far has already been so inspirational and, and incredible. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that you've learned throughout the different jobs that you've had during the pandemic, the different roles, or just life in general, um, that you would like to bring back to hometown hockey if you're able to pursue another season? Um, I think... Well, I, th I think both Ron McLean and I felt like this season was actually the season we really got it right. You know, it's always a work in progress and it's a very collaborative show. We have an incredible uh, production team. Almost all of us have been there since day one. And yeah. so we were all working on the story ideas and we're all working on the guests and the shows. And um, I think Ron and I both felt like, okay, we were able to get our voices out there 
in a way that, that we felt good about, that we were being representative. Um, I think I would just, you know, I would just keep pushing in the same direction, really. I don't think anything would need to change. It's just that um, perhaps, you know, what's happened in the, the shift in social climate would allow us to focus more on, on representation. And so maybe, you know, we could tackle that more than, than we have been, but we really have tried. Um, there are definitely places we'd, we'd like to, to get to that we haven't been yet. So we're, we're all really hoping it, it can resume, but you never know. In terms of women's sports, how do you feel the pandemic is going to impact women's sports? I feel like the pandemic has provided a space for awareness of women's sports itself and women working in sport. What are your thoughts? Um, well, obviously, you know, I work in hockey, so I, I do think that this was a bit of a blow to the work that women's hockey um, and the PWHPA have been doing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, again, I'm hoping that this shift, this change hockey culture mandate um, will also apply to, to women's hockey. And, you know, to me, I don't know the ins and outs of the business, but I think that the NHL has been very hesitant to step in. And the only way to create a viable league is with the NHL's help. So um, again, I, you know, the things move slowly, but it, it's sort of time. It's really time. And so I'd like to see more movement on, on that front, but obviously they're just trying to figure out what's happening right now um, with player boycotts and protests and just finishing the the playoffs and awarding the Stanley Cup altogether. So I do hope the off season is a real pause for thought on a number of levels. I think the WNBA has, they have been such beacons in terms of their um, social awareness and like they've really, I think, led the way, you know, it's sort of like WNBA, then NBA, then everybody else. So uh, that can't do anything but help raise awareness. And it, they've done it with the, the greatest of intentions. And, you know, this is all genuine stuff. So I, I feel good about where women's sports is. The, um, you know, the National Women's Soccer League looks like the, you know, expansion will come fast yeah. and furious. Love to see some teams up here. Yes. So, but I, I think, you know, everything right now is with the caveat of like, well, we, we're, we're going to see what happens because nobody knows what the next year is going to look like. Right. But I, I do feel a sense of optimism. Yeah, I do as well, especially with the amount of voices that are speaking out and advocating for women's sports. So I think, again, it could be a good opportunity to take advantage of this time and, and really get it out there. In what ways do you think that sports broadcast is going to change post-pandemic in both an organizational cultural sense, which you've kind of touched on already, but in also a digital virtual media sense? Well, I mean, I feel like you're probably so much better equipped to answer that question <laughs> because, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a dinosaur, but I certainly am not on the forefront of, you know, creating new content and what that can mean and how it can look. I know that you know, Sportsnet and probably every other media company is that they're, they understand that that is the future. And so um, that's a lot of where 
their resources are, are going to lie. Um, I think in terms of broadcasting, broadcast panels, um, again, you know, if you come away from this era and this monumental shift in culture and your business looks the same, if your boardrooms look the same, if your panels look the same, um, if your uh, control rooms look the same, like it, you have missed the point entirely. So I think this is an incredible opportunity to have real representation and therefore be able to, you know, just change the face, you change the guts and you change um, the resources and you change the storytelling. And I, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's really going to ultimately be for the the greater good. I, I do. And I think that there are a lot of responsible media companies who are, who are really trying. So I, I hope that I am uh, with one of them and I think they really are going to put their money where their mouths are. So I feel, I feel good about it. Well, I think one of the things that may change are the expectations for physical appearance on broadcast. Many broadcasts taking place at home, perfect studio lighting or <laughs> makeup crews may not be possible. And I've seen a lot more of a relaxed wardrobe or style over the past couple months. Take Elliot Friedman's Bigfoot beard, um, as an example. Um, I have discussed before how women are prescribed to unfair expectations of of appearance. Mm -hmm. And you also noted on that earlier too. With the influence of Zoom culture, however, do you think these expectations of gender biases will change at all? Oh, I wish I could say yes. (laughs) I mean, it, cause it's not just TV, right? It's like, it's our whole world. And we have just been so brainwashed as a culture. And I, I mean, I really, when I say we, I mean, we, you know, like I'm, I'm a 46 year old woman with lots of gray hair and I'm not ready to show the public any of it, you know? So I'm still um, wrapped up in, in the culture of like aging is bad. And so I'm not sure, I'm not sure that this is going to come with the social change. Um, yeah, maybe some more casual dress. Right. And maybe, you know, who knows if I got, if I got really gutsy, maybe I'd do an experiment and start growing up my grays and, and see how I do. But I, I don't know, like, that's just, that's a whole big societal yeah. shift. Um, and so those double standards just run so, so deep. It'll be interesting to see if, if, even if the pandemic makes a small dent in it, then it, then I'd, I'd be happy at least with a small dent because it's a, it's a progression forward. We had Jeff Merrick on our show on Monday night, and he's been a huge inspiration of mine in my career and in life in general. I messaged him and asked him what, if there was one question I could ask you where you would know exactly where this came from, what would it be? And he said that he wasn't exactly sure that there was an obvious question, but instead he said, Tara Sloan is such a brave and daring person who isn't afraid of new challenges and new situations. Touring musician, talk show host, sports host, activist, and that's just her career life. I would ask her where that comes from, that fearlessness, and maybe what scares her because it seems like nothing does. (laughs) Wow. Those are very kind words. Yeah. Um, where does it come from? I don't know. I mean, I, I think, again, I've, I've always had that kind of, that impulse to, 
um, protect or speak on behalf of anybody that I felt like was being bullied or marginalized. Um, but in terms of jumping in, you know, I think I, I just kind of weigh things as like, if I'm going to regret not having done something, I do it. And sometimes the consequences <laughs> aren't what you would like, you know, sometimes the experience you end up with, um, can be a negative one, but it's always a learning experience. And I, I think at, at this point in my life, I really look at things in the same way, but I, I kind of think of it almost more in a more like morbid way, you know, how am I going to feel on, on my deathbed? You know, how am I going to feel when I'm looking back at my life? What are the things that I will regret? And will I re regret not having worked more? Probably not, but will I regret not having spoken up on certain topics? You know, will I regret not prioritizing certain things? And so I really do look at things in that way, but I've always just kind of had what I feel is maybe a strong sense of, of justice um, for better or for worse again. But I am at a time in my life where I, I recognize my privilege and, and I now feel a, an incredible sense of obligation. So is there anything that you are scared of? there's lots I'm scared of. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm scared of change. Like even though my life has sort of morphed career wise and otherwise many, many times, um, you know, change is, is still scary and I'm, I'm sure there'll be more, you know, like I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be in TV forever. I don't know what's next. So I, I'm, I'm scared of that. I think the fact that I am so busy all the time means I'm probably afraid of stillness, mm. um, which is sort of a bit of a contradiction because I was raised Buddhist and meditation is part of, you know, my, my practice, but I really have to force myself to sit still. So I think I'm probably, yeah, I think I'm probably most afraid of like stopping. <laughs> <laughs> I see it as you embrace the chaos, which is that's a something I think that our like reality and just society in general have deal with a lot now and to be able to master chaos is is huge so that's fantastic to end this little segment off I'd like to talk a little bit about advice you have for people just starting out in the entertainment industry you have experience mm -hmm. in music television sports what are some things that you wish you could tell yourself now that may be able to help young professionals in their career well, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of students, so I always encourage people to, to continue on that path because even though I didn't have a, a conventional route, um, you know, I think there are great programs like Ryerson, obviously being at the top. Um, so I think, you know, because there aren't the same opportunities at the little stations as there, there might've been back in my day. But I think it, my advice really does pertain to taking taking chances and taking risks. And obviously you pick your battles and, um, you know, you have to, to weigh cost benefit ratios, but I, if you're, if you, if you see an opportunity and you think about it and you are going to regret not having done it, then do it, you know? 
And there's no, I think a lot of people feel pressured to do things by a certain age. And, um, you know, there's, there's just no timeline. Like, I think just do what, what feels right. Speak up for yourself. I think there were a lot of occasions in my life where I didn't, which may sound surprising, but it's sort it of, does. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, where I, I didn't. And, you know, one of the greatest lessons I learned when I was with Joy Drop is that unless you take care of yourself and the people around you and the person, you know, the person first, then the team means nothing. So I think that was a very profound lesson because we, like we did never took a show off. doesn't matter how sick any of us were. And at a certain point, we were so exhausted and sick and bedraggled that we were falling apart as a unit. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, even if you're a driven opportunity seeker, um, kindness and care is also very important. That's fantastic. And I like, I really like that lesson as well. More specifically, what advice would you have for first year college and university students who are entering their academic career in an all virtual environment? Oh man, gosh. Well, I mean, we're all in it together. So, (laughs) um, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know at what point in your education, you kind of start reaching out in terms of like mentorships, but I know that I and most of my colleagues always welcome communication from students. Um, So I would say just especially when you're in a home environment and you're not seeing um, people the way that you would have been, don't hesitate to, to reach out and, and just don't be afraid. You know, the worst somebody can say is like, I don't have time to talk to you, but odds are people will. Right. And I think there's like a great risk of, of isolation. And so, especially first year, it's such a vulnerable time. So, you know, even if you think someone is unreachable, they're not, we're not. And you know, I think look, look for a mentor if you can find one. That's fantastic advice, I think. And I've also noticed too, that just over the past couple of years, but even more when the pandemic started, that industry professionals have been very open to talking to students or talking to young professionals and saying that their DMs are always open. And that's something I admire about you. I've been able to connect with you easily and we can have conversations and You're a great inspiration of mine, as I said earlier, and you will continue to be. Thank you so much for taking the time to to hop on this show, and we hope to talk to you again maybe on on the Monday Night Sport Talk show Mm -hmm. in the next few months. I know that the pros would love to be able to pick your brain and have a discussion with you. Anytime, and I... uh... Likewise, I admire you and what you're doing and you're a, you're a doer and a go-getter too. So keep on kicking ass because we need, we need women like you in this business. That means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the one complimenting you on this show. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks Again, for this. Yeah.